Welcome to the Twins Insider Podcast. I am Michael Rand. Phil Miller is in Chicago. He is in his hotel room preparing to cover Twins Cubs later tonight. Um, he's disagreed with his room service order and is feverishly covering up his dishes with dirt, just like Josh Donaldson did um, at home plate yesterday. No, he's not doing that. But uh, Phil, first of all, how you doing? Uh Doing great. Gee, it's hard to believe the season's almost over, man. One uh, one week to go. Hard to believe we've gotten through it all, uh, already. Oh, yeah, it was only crazy. eight weeks. It's only been eight weeks. Yeah, that's it's crazy. It's it's a, a sprint of all sprints. It, it does feel like it just started, and here we are. What? The, yeah, you're right. Uh, next weekend is the uh, the end of the regular season, the 27th. Mm -hmm. So we're nine days away from that. Twins have eight games left, counting tonight. Their magic number is is it two or three? I can't remember how. What's still three? I yeah. yeah, I believe it's still three. But they're they're close to clinching. They're they're basically a cinch to get into the playoffs one way or the other. But um, let's start with a little revisionist history or a little little quick recap of what just happened. Um, if, we, if we thought the Twins were kind of flying high and putting themselves in position to maybe take the division after they swept Cleveland, uh, they then went to Chicago and lost three. Or um, the last of those being a, you know, pretty disjointed, a good ball game overall, but uh, they lose 4-3 Thursday, kind of the signature moment, uh, maybe one of signature moments, but the thing that stuck with me still, you know, even more than maybe some relief pitching woes or um, the curious decision to send Byron Buxton uh, home on that, uh, that, that fly ball that was dropped was the Josh Donaldson play in the sixth inning he gets up 2-0 in the count there's a questionable strike one um replay show very very questionable but you know Donaldson barks a bit uh, maybe more than a bit next pitch he crushes over the fence 3-2 lead gets to home plate and as soon as he hit it by the way Phil I was like what's he gonna do when he gets to home plate and we got our <laughs> answer he uh Covers the play, you know, kind of brushes the play with dirt, um, goes back either, we don't know because we haven't talked to Josh, goes back either because he wants to make more of a point or because he's worried he hasn't actually touched home plate and gets tossed from the game. Twins were up 3-2 at that point. They lose 4-3. The spot in the order came up one more time. Uh, Adrianza strikes out, I believe, on three pitches. What's, what's, let, let me get your take on it. What, what do you – Kind of on the the scale of of one to ten in terms of kind of problematic reactions or kind of big picture impact on that game. Where, where do you where do you rank Donaldson getting tossed at that moment in, in those circumstances? Well, you're right. Turned out to be a real important point in the game because uh, the the run that he gave them there uh, was not enough uh, to uh, to cover the White Sox comeback there. I, I, I guess the part that surprises me is you have to know if you do that, you're going to be ejected. I mean, that's, um, I don't feel like there's much room for nuance there. Uh, so I'm a little shocked that, uh, that, that he would do it. Uh, that, that uh, the call didn't seem to be, I mean, that egregious. It was, uh, it would have turned a 2-0 count into 3-0, and but, uh, I'm surprised that hitting the home run wasn't uh, revenge enough. Uh, it, it, it that you know we praise Donaldson as, for his leadership, and there is a lot of uh, examples of it on the team. 
Um, and that's one where I would think that uh, some of the players might be annoyed with him. I mean, he, he, it was probably a funny moment uh, in the dugout. He had just hit a home run, but uh, I don't, I, I'm, I get stuck on intent. He has to know that he's going to get thrown out there. Why would he intentionally get thrown out uh, of a game? I, he, it hasn't been all that smooth since he returned uh, from the injured list form, but uh, I'm, yeah, I, I guess I keep coming back to, uh, to the intent. Like I say, I don't understand why he would intentionally get thrown out there after, uh, you know, after he made his point, he hit the home run. That's, um, I, that's where I get hung up on it. You got pretty well blasted by on the, on the twins radio broadcast. Um, TV was maybe a little bit more forgiving, but Justin Morneau kind of echoed what you said. You know, it's selfish. You can't do that. You know, watching it, I, I was, it was great theater. I happened to be watching at the time. It was like, this is hilarious. This is, you know, it's kind of awesome. I, I like that they have guys like Donaldson, like Romo that, you know, that kind of have this energy that's, you know, maybe not, you know, that maybe does rub other, other teams the wrong way or does come off as a little bit, edgy because I think they maybe have missed that in, in some some recent years or haven't maybe had enough of that and maybe that gets overblown but you know, it's too simple to say that's why they that's why they lose in the postseason I don't think that's why they lose in the postseason necessarily but maybe the the channeling of that energy was was misplaced in, in that moment um, you, you're right it's a good point that if you do that you probably have to know what's coming to you, you you're not going to you know, unless the ump is very uh, generous uh, in, in his uh, interpretation of what you're doing, um, you, you're going to get tossed. And, you know, it feels like maybe, is it just like a, a boiling over of, they were, you know, they were griping about calls pretty much all series. You saw Rocco and Nelson Cruz get ejected from a different loss earlier on. Is that any less or more selfish to get kicked out in that regard than it is to get kicked out, um, for, for, you know, for making a more, uh, you know, a visual demonstration rather than just a verbal one. Yeah, it, it, the in, the intent of it is, uh, you know, is what gets me. I'm going to get thrown out here. I mean, I, I don't, it, it certainly didn't look like it just occurred to him. I don't know, is he going to try to make it look accidental <laughs> and, uh, and it didn't work? Or uh, you don't often, I mean, with managers, you see managers, uh, uh, NBA coaches um, get tossed intentionally. You don't see uh, you don't see players do it very often, and that part was the shocking uh, part to me. But um, I don't know. There, there is a school of thought that says uh, you know it does give them an edge. It does fire them up. Uh, you know, we've heard the same things about uh, Sergio Romo lately. About uh, you know the. He's a guy that if he's on your team, you uh, love him. And if he's not, you hate him. And, and teams tend to uh, rally around those guys. I, uh, I suppose, it, you know, the twins uh, could use a little of that, uh, perhaps. But, uh, I, you know, as he's rounding the bases, he has to be thinking, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm done. And, uh, you know, I, it certainly backfired when uh, – you know, Ray Adrianza ended up uh, with an important at bat late in the game when they got down. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, 
I wonder what his uh, discussion with uh, Rocco Baldelli was, because Rocco had come out to try to try to save him, to try to yeah. uh, uh, defend him, uh, you know. And you know, Rocco's point is, let me handle it. Uh, right. And you know, in in some ways, it's it, it's kind of in your face a little bit to the manager too. You know, I'm doing my best to keep you in the game, but there's not much I can do if you. Uh, make a uh, such a demonstrative uh, point about uh, how angry you are and and it hit a home run uh, it's a mm -hmm. it's a crazy part you it's a moment of victory uh, why do you need to uh, why do you need to rub it in I I don't know I uh, as I get older I try not to I find myself saying things uh, that wow I sound like my dad here and I, I don't know <laughs> if this is one of those minutes or not but uh, I, I it was great theater, but um, I just I just wonder why uh, why you would do that at that moment. Maybe a little bit of heat of the moment. The the upshot though is they lose the game, and certainly, like I said, they had an opportunity to add on the lead. Buxton singles, um, I think, in the top of the seventh, and Jeffers hits a long fly ball to center that gets dropped. Um, Buxton tries to score all the way from first, um, you know, normally if he's running all the way, but he had to you know, pause to see if the ball was going to get caught or not. I'm not sure it should have been, obviously he's thrown out. Um, he, the ball gets their way before him. He's thrown out. Um, you know, Kepler has a chance to double off Dyson makes a bad throw. Um, you know, they, uh, Polanco, you know, that, you know, ground ball from Abreu, who's not necessarily known for speed, but Polanco can't get him at first. That's the tying run. So there, there, there's more moments after that. It's too simple, too simple or too reductive to just say that was, that was the thing that lost in the game. But the upshot is instead of being one game down um, and holding the tiebreaker um, in the yep. division, you are now at the Twins three games down and you lose the tiebreaker. So it's a bench. It was essentially a three-game swing kind of game and it uh, pretty much sure looks like it will put them you know, they're three up on Cleveland three down on Chicago in the division and then these uh you know reformatted playoffs uh, that matters the second place teams from all of the divisions make the postseason as do two extra wild cards sure looks Phil uh if you look at the standings and look at how little is left in the season that uh but that game um, and that series in particular with Chicago sure puts the Twins on a course um, in conjunction with a recent hot streak from the New York Yankees. It sure puts them on a course that looks like that is the most likely 4-5 matchup in the, uh, in the playoffs. Um, so here we go again, it seems like. Well, it's funny that that game uh, that we're – that you can break down yesterday's game like that because it feels like a playoff game. It seems like every year that's how the playoffs go, uh, where you go, man, they had their chance, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then remember when that happened, and then the mm -hmm. throw got away, and there were so many things yesterday uh, like that. That it's kind of uh, it's it's my experience in covering the Twins in the playoffs. Uh, I will say that uh, the way he has been playing lately, I think. Uh, it's easy to get caught up in the Byron Buxton uh, experience and to uh, to make the leap. Maybe he's just magic, and uh, you send him home and, uh, and see what happens. Uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a rough one as well. Um, hey, the Yankees uh, 
Sure. Uh, what uh, what could go wrong there? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Cole is uh, on his game again after some mm. earlier problems. The Twins have only faced him once ever, and they let's see. They got well, they got one hit in seven innings uh, against him. Mm -hmm. And um, game two, if uh, I'm not sure how the Yankees will set up the rotation, uh, maybe you don't do it this way if you win game one, but they would also have to face uh, Masahiro Tanaka, who mm -hmm. they faced six times in his career. And, oh, he's 6-0 and counting the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So, sure, uh, that's, a, that's a good matchup. Um, I suppose you uh, try, to, try to win one of those and hope that you can beat uh, – uh, probably Jordan Montgomery in game three, a left-hander who, uh, you know, the Twins' uh, slugging percentage is somewhere in the low threes, I think, maybe three and a half uh, this year against left-handers. Uh, yeah, I th that game, uh, it, it's kind of funny. I've been saying for most of this month that really nothing matters anymore, but uh, all of a sudden uh, it turns out that maybe – Maybe yesterday uh, did matter an awful lot. Uh, uh, the Yankees, uh, when they were below 500 for the first month and a half, uh, they seemed a lot less fearsome. But uh, it's not just a Yankee team now; it's a Yankee team that's that's won eight straight. That uh, I think they're I think they have the Red Sox now, so that could be 11 straight here pretty quick. Um, and uh, yeah, are just bludgeoning people. And oh, uh, oh. Uh, October, late September and October trip to Yankee Stadium. Uh, a lot of good memories there. It really oh. is. Uh, it really is crazy how with the Twins' great start where everything was going well, it really felt like, uh, you know, the question is, could they sneak up on anybody uh, if they play this well? Is, are people going to start taking them serious? And now it's a, now it's a real uh, Twins postseason where you, you kind of close your eyes and, and hope for the best. Well, and it, the weird thing is, I mean, right now, the Twins would host that series. They're a game up on the Yankees, um, not in the, lot, in the loss column there even. Uh, the Twins have played two more games, won two more games. Um, what's interesting is you would, you would think in this year in particular, home field advantage wouldn't matter all that much because you're playing in – empty stadiums but maybe it speaks to the comforts of home or the weirdness of being on the road this year but both of those teams have among the biggest home road splits of anybody the twins are 21 and 5 mm -hmm. field and just 10 and 16 away from target field the yankees are 21 and 7 at yankee stadium just 8 and 14 on the road and you know some of that could just be a function of when they've played but that, those are pretty big gaps and in a best of three where all three games are going to be at the home stadium of the higher seed um you know getting at the very least home field advantage for that series if you're the second place team the reward for being the best second place team does seem to carry a certain amount of significance uh yeah the, the, you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that uh fans are not that yankee stadium doesn't mean anything to the twins uh that that's that's going to loom very large if, if they end up going there. If it's at home, uh, it probably feels a lot more manageable. Uh, and it won't be, uh, you know, that won't be such an intense focus of, uh, of the streak and the history and the recent history. And uh, I, I think it's, 
yeah, you're right. It does not seem to matter or it should not matter, but it does seem to matter to the Twins this year. And uh, I, I uh, definitely think that uh, that is something worth playing for. Unfortunately, uh, well, the Yankees have uh, the Red Sox, perhaps the worst team in the league uh, this year. And the Twins have the first place Cubs. Next week, the Twins do get a couple of uh, Detroit, um, but they also finish the season with Cincinnati in a position where I've got to think they'll be resting um, a lot of the starters while the Reds have a lot to play for. The Reds are trying to hold on to their playoff position. So um, the schedule is uh, is going to make uh, the final week interesting, even if it, uh, um, you, you know, you have to think that uh, the Yankees being tied in the loss column means that uh, um, we'll see how they do against the Red Sox this weekend, but it kind of gives them the advantage. And boy, having uh, having attended uh, the uh, two playoff series, if you can count the one game playoff as a series three years ago in New York, uh, there is a feeling of foreboding there in that ballpark that uh, I would think they wouldn't want no part of. Yeah, the Yankees after the Red Sox have four against the Blue Jays, so at least there's that, and the Yankees finish up with the Marlins, who are, you know, surprising and, you know, probably have something to play for as they're still kind of battling for a postseason spot. So after this after this stretch of three games, I think the schedule maybe tilts a little bit towards the Twins, but, you know, bigger picture is – um, you know, first the Twins have to clinch a spot. You're going to see if they can do that this weekend in Chicago. You're there to cover this three-game series, I believe, right? And it is uh, all night games, uh, first <laughs> Sunday night baseball in a while. And I'll be uh, the thing I'm interested in is how do they celebrate uh, when you make an 18 18 playoff? Is I mean, surely they don't break out the champagne this year, right? Champagne and masks. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't. That's a good point. Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, what if uh, can't even shake hands. I would be interested yeah. to see how they yeah. uh, strongly worded le- maybe a strongly worded letter. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I did be the you know, weirdest celebration ever, and uh, yeah. you know we we used to criticize the teams for celebrating when they clinch, and celebrating when they win the division, and celebrating when they uh, win the first round, and uh, I that. Uh, those celebrations, I think, will be yet another thing uh, uh, mm. unusual about this season. Bigger picture, let, let's let's wrap up on this note. Um, how they, you know, how they fare in the postseason, whether it's the Yankees or someone else, will hinge largely on a number of factors. But one of them being starting pitching. They've got a number of kind of ways they could set this up because they've got a lot of guys, you know do good things for them this year uh, from a starting pitching standpoint, even in the road, even in the bullpen, there's probably a little bit of kind of question of, as to how things stack up. But if, if you were, you know, let's say perfect world, they're, they're able to kind of keep on track, um, you know, secure the number four seed while still being able to set up the rotation the way they wanted. If you're, if you're Rocco Baldelli, how do you want to set up your, rotation for a three-game series? Well, I think it's pretty clear that Kenta Maeda is going to start game one, and yeah. uh, he has been on that track now for uh, for at least a week. You know, he started Thursday. Um, if you give him an extra day uh, of rest, which they like to do because it's what Kenta was used to in the uh, – in 
uh, in Japan, and it's also uh, how he seems to pitch at his best. He'll start next Wednesday against the Tigers, and then the next time up would be the following Tuesday, which would be game one. So I, I think uh, I think he's pretty obviously set up to uh, uh, start game one already. Um, they do have two off days next week to um, to uh, set up the rotation any way they want. And, and it's interesting. I have kind of operated on the last week or so on the, on the assumption that uh, Jose Barrios and uh, Michael Pineda are the other two starters in a best of three first round uh, series. And uh, uh, I was uh, arguing a little bit with uh, Lavelle uh, last night, Lavelle Neal III, who, uh, who we do a lot of reading between the lines with Rocco where he'll uh, yeah. kind of hint that maybe uh, he'll open the door for something that maybe they're thinking. And Lavelle is convinced that uh, Rocco is convinced that Jake Odorizzi is uh, ready to go and is ready to pitch well and, uh, and came out of uh, yesterday's game uh, convinced that, uh, that blister aside, if, uh, if that goes away and he's got a couple of weeks that he's one of the best three, which is interesting. I've, kind of worked on the assumption that a guy who's thrown, uh, what, four times this year uh, and with weeks between them a couple of times might, you know, might, I, I was wondering if he was going to make the uh, playoff roster. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see how many of the starters they carry. Um, so uh, maybe it's Boreos and, um, and Odorizzi and Pineda kind of uh, piggybacking kind of, uh, um, give each of them one turn through the uh, rotation, uh, through the uh, lineup, something like that. Um, well, the question is what happens to the other starters. Uh, it's a little shocking uh, how uh, quickly Randy Dobnak's uh, game one start has uh, has kind of faded into, uh, will he be on the roster? He's not even on the uh, 25, 28-man roster right now, uh, having been sent back, um, uh, although he's still here. But whether or not they activate him and let him have one start next week will kind of give you an indication of how they're feeling about uh, him uh, in the playoffs. I think Rich Hill will make the playoff roster being left-handed, having bullpen experience, having terrific playoff experience. Uh, I think they want to keep him ready for uh, a second or third round series should they get that far. Just a little aside, I don't know that there's been much talk about how unfair it is, especially to the best teams in the league, that they have to clear this two out of three hurdle. Um, you know, if the if the Dodgers lose to the Giants or or somebody in the first round, we'll see how uh, baseball feels about um, putting a coin flip uh, kind of tournament in front of them. But anyway, back to the pitching. Uh, you know, one other thing uh, that you might see about the pitching uh, this week is. Uh, in addition to setting up the rotation, trying to decide what to do about Dobnek, um, I've heard the theory that uh, maybe they're going to give a courtesy start to Homer Bailey just to uh, let him, if the games don't mean anything, let him prove that he's healthy as he goes into free agency again, uh, which would be uh, kind of a, in, uh, in lieu of a uh, bullpen game, perhaps something like, something like that. But anyway, uh, Maeda and Boreos, I think, are pretty locked in for the first two, and uh, and 
Pineda and Odorizzi is going to be uh, an interesting debate for, uh, for if there's a game three, especially given the stakes there. I think Rich Hill's an interesting one. I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting decisions here because, you know, right, like guys like Odorizzi and Pineda have barely thrown this year. Pineda because of the you know, serving the rest of his suspension and Odorizzi because of various injuries. Rich Hill has been up and down with, you know, with, with injury as well. But here's a guy who, when, when he's on, is as good a candidate to give you five really good innings as, as anybody, right? Um, and no more than that. That's, uh, no, that's no more than that, that but that's the problem. It, I mean, uh, we think the postseason it's it's three to four. It might it might be uh, one turn to the lineup. Uh, right. He has so much big game experience that uh, that um, that's a guy that if it turns out to be Yankee Stadium, you uh, you would want uh, on the mound uh, the first guy the first guy up after the starter so uh, yeah. and uh, and left-handed uh, which may help in uh, Yankee Stadium so um, it, it's interesting I don't think he'll get a uh, a start in the first round and probably not the second round but um, if uh, if the twins advance uh, he could loom as a as a fairly important pitcher to give them a little uh, to get through some of the middle innings uh, you know they got him based on his postseason success i uh, i think that uh, now is the time for uh, for them to want to uh, turn it up but it's become pretty clear that he does not have the the, the stamina to uh, to go more than one turn through or maybe one and a half turns through the lineup just looking at this really quick yankees do Slug 484 against right-handed starting pitching. That's down to 403 against lefties. Um, still not a terrible slugging percentage, but there, there could be something to be said for if this is the matchup and it is in Yankee Stadium, as you mentioned, if that happens, the uh, you know much more forgiving uh, balls hit to left field versus right field. There could be a case for Rich Hill to uh, have a, a role. Maybe it's not as a starter, but maybe it is, like you said, kind of as that you know twin starter gets through three or four innings you know, but is a little bit shaky, but hasn't given up, you know, maybe more than a run or two. Maybe you give it to Rich Hill for two or three innings and see what the you know, kind of brings itself to the, to the bullpen like that. And four weeks ago, would, would you have imagined a, a world where, uh, where uh, Randy Dobnak isn't, isn't like at least the game two starter? I mean, he was, he was their best pitcher the first uh, two or three weeks. It is. Uh, yeah. It, the uh, it's astonishing the uh, loss of control and how that has uh, uh, that has really uh, played havoc with his season because uh, uh, I would have put him into the top two guys uh, ahead of Barreos uh, um, as, as you know as recently as uh, two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I think it would have been it would have still would have been hard to convince me, especially against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, that he would have been necessarily the right choice in the top three even if he was going well just because he seems put the ball in play against him and he just yep. in, in a moment against that lineup even though I thought he did fine last year pressed into that role in game two you know he got some bad breaks um, it, it's hard for me to see him getting the Yankees out the way he gets other teams out so I don't know if he would have been the ideal matchup against the Yankees even if even if that, even if he had been pitching well, still it would have been an interesting decision, though, for sure. If he was still, it's true. I mean, he had he's going. Uh, he had everybody beating the ball into the ground there for yeah, uh, he did. for a few weeks. Uh, he had, uh, I think I forget out in St. Louis, he had uh, Twins turn nine double plays in in sixteen innings 
uh, for him. Wow. So, uh, you know, guys were getting on base, but uh, but he was making them beat it into the ground. Uh, it it is, uh, uh, but the loss of command has has just yeah. been mystifying. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I, I probably an uphill battle for him now to even be on the uh, roster for the first series. Yeah, good point. Well, good stuff, Phil. Good talking to you for the uh, Twins Insider podcast. We'll uh, we'll see how things unfold in Chicago and down the stretch of the rest of the season. You know, ESPN says the Twins are 100% locked to make the postseason, so uh, we don't have to worry about that. But uh, we will uh, we will see. You know where they wind up and whether whether or not it's the Yankees again, and, and just how uh, just how well equipped the Twins are to uh, to battle in the playoffs this year. You know, I. I got to say, I think it's a good thing. It's uh, it, it's probably going to be the Yankees, just just because if if they're going to uh, have success, you know they they need to know they can do it. Uh, yeah. So I, I I'm of the school that says uh, bring them on and uh, and yeah. and let's see. Yeah, let's do it.